you wouldn't expect that that kind of part was going on basically throughout until everything drops out and then you hear it and then it gets its moment. And like, that's so special to me because like, just in general, like so many things in life you can't see until something you know, steps to the side. I'm Brian Paris with Sounds of Berkeley. If you've heard of Shoegaze, there's a good chance you're a fan. Full disclosure, I'm definitely one of those fans. In broad terms, Shoegaze is an underground genre of rock and roll that lived and seemingly died in the 90s and was defined by heavily affected guitars and ethereal vocals. To get a sense of what it sounds like, you needn't look much further than most of the scene's band names. Slow Dive, Ride, Lush, Swerve Driver. You get the idea a wash of sound that takes the listener on dreamlike sonic journeys. But Shoegaze was also famously criticized by the music media as the genre that celebrates itself. And yet, 20 years on, here's a list of recent headlines from major news outlets that tell a different story. Shoegaze, the sound of protest shrouded in guitar fuzz, returns. Sound of Confusion, How Shoegaze Defied Critics and Influenced a Generation. Shoegaze is back and has shaken off its old image of being about bands who just stare at the ground while they play. The genre's influence and merits are now being reappraised. So I started researching this episode on a hunch, that shoegaze and its signature guitar sound could teach us about the relationship between the underground and the mainstream, beyond the binary of major label versus independent. To help me parse this, I spoke with three members of the Berkeley community, Susan Rogers, a professor in the Music Production and Engineering Department, student Blaze Eldred of the band Rivercat, and alumna Jillian Medford, singer, guitarist, and founder of the band Ian Sweet. But first, what do we mean by underground music? Put broadly, it's music that, for any number of reasons, appeals to niche audiences and is generally not concerned with the formula used to create billboard hits. It would be hard to imagine, for instance, Norwegian doom jazz trio Splash Girl ever hitting number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Then again, Lil Nas X brought a country rap song to that very spot for a record-shattering 19 weeks, so I guess anything's possible. In the case of Shoegaze, Part of the reason it's remained mostly underground has to do with the way that it uses dissonance. Dissonance is actually technically comprised of two different things. There's sensory different dissonance, and then there's musical or cognitive dissonance. That's Susan Rogers, whose impressive bio is too long to splice in. So here's all you need to know. She was a producer for Prince and has a doctorate in cognitive psychology, specializing in, you guessed it, dissonance. Sensory dissonance refers to the presence of roughness or beating. When you play two tones simultaneously that are closely spaced, like in a minor second, you're going to hear interference between the two tones because they're closely spaced. And that's going to cause that wah, 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 wah beating or sometimes roughness. When you play a listener a dissonant chord, it's the same as giving a listener... Imagine, let's use taste as an analogy. Give them a a soup, 
or a sauce or something that's composed of a lot of different herbs and spices. She goes on to explain that dissonance is like spicy, aggressive flavor, as opposed to more harmonious genres that might be likened to simple food like milk or bread. What makes something like shoegaze more underground or less mainstream lies in the amount of spice used. But what punk and shoegaze and some of these genres do is they maintain that spiciness without change over the long term. So on the longer time scale, these musics become accessible because they really don't change. They don't have great changes in dynamics. They usually pick one cruising altitude and they cruise. Um, an example of that is someone once said about Tommy Ramone, anybody can play like Tommy Ramone for 30 seconds. No one can play like Tommy Ramone for 30 minutes. And it's not that you only find dissonance in underground music, but that those forms tend to push it to lengths that can feel overwhelming or off-putting. So why would anyone choose dissonance over something more harmonious? Lots of things that I'm naturally drawn to are dissonant. Jillian Medford is a creative force behind the band Ian Sweet, which draws heavily on the shoegaze guitar sound. Her second record, Crush Crusher, came out in 2018 on Hardly Art, and she's been touring the album internationally. She says it's hard for her to write in a more mainstream way, and she admits that sometimes that can make things more difficult for her career. But... You know, it's all about how it makes you how it makes you feel, the writer. Because if you aren't writing how you naturally write or experiencing your music in the way that feels good to you, you know, you're not gonna want to perform it for anybody. But when Jillian first came to Berkeley in twenty twelve, she was mostly playing acoustic singer songwriter music. Her journey to finding her voice came when she discovered a vibrant underground music culture at Berkeley and around Boston, particularly through house shows. Independently-minded concerts organized and performed by bands that found a deep sense of community in a do-it-yourself or DIY aesthetic. So yeah, in Boston, there was lots of house shows um, that I was getting involved in in my sophomore year. And a friend had introduced me to um, that side of things. So there was a place called The White House and the JP Drive-In, a place called Butcher Shop. There was Gay Gardens. Now I'm remembering all that. Um, and like lots of warehouse spaces as well. So it was like going more to those shows, kind of starting to go every night or every weekend and seeing this whole new life and lifestyle and also just experiencing all types of new music. So I was getting introduced to that. And I think through like starting to understand like, the louder, heavier sides of music and underground music, I was then kind of finding my way to different genres and possibly had led me to more more shoegaze opportunities. But just being exposed to new bands isn't what pushed Jillian's sound into shoegaze territory. She says that major changes in life, particularly the environmental shift from living in Boston and New York City to Los Angeles, played a big role in finding her sound. Her first record, Shapeshifter, reflects the industrial clatter of the East Coast urban scene and falls more into the DIY noise rock sound. Moving west, she says, allowed her more space. And then when I moved out to L.A., I felt a little bit less, I wouldn't say polluted. It Polluted is like not a bad word in this sense, but like just a little bit clearer head, clear, clear headed and clear mind and like was able to notice where I could leave space and like where I could just like layer guitars instead of having an extra guitar part. Like, so, so it was like figuring out really my place also in LA and figuring out, you know, where certain things would lie in the record. 
Take a listen to this clip from the Ian Sweet song, Spit. You can hear the repetition of affected guitars that Susan was talking about earlier, but you can also hear toward the end of the clip how the song shifts into a more patient, instrumental section, that space that Jillian mentioned. All this begs the question, how do you make these sounds? Jillian admits to being a pedal freak. She's drawn to that search for unexpected sounds. It's a common trait in underground genres, the near-obsessive love of certain pieces of equipment and tinkering with their possibilities. As you can tell, all very So yeah, it's just like pretty chaotic. But for me, it's more of a, it's more like a here, it's like a ear kind of thing where I just kind of feel it. We'll see. I, I kind of just like am curious. I'm a curious guy. That's Blaze Eldred, a current student who fronts the band Rivercat, talking me through his guitar rig. Similar to Jillian, Blaze gravitates toward DIY forms of music and recording. He recorded the band's first album, for example, with the GarageBand app on his iPhone. So recording through GarageBand has given me a lot of this um, DIY like bedroom feel. <laughs> And with this amp, it kind of complements that. It kind of like, you know, adds in more to the spectrum of the, you know, do-it-yourself. Also, not going to be 100% perfect, but nothing's perfect. So, like, you kind of, like, use that, like, idea of... In my own songs, like, I like the weirdness. I like the, I like the tones that are just, like... I've never heard that tone before. Like, physically, myself, I've never heard it. And to get a really clear understanding of how a guitar goes from clean chords to something more dissonant... Here's Blaze. And then with everything, it sounds like. So yeah. This trend of exploring what Blaze describes as imperfect is something that Susan has seen in her classrooms. I've observed in my students, that the music they're making, this is so wonderful. They're using elements that my generation, we used to throw out. Mm. So they are using noise and leakage and mics that are way off access, open mics that, you know, shouldn't have even been in the room. The stuff that we considered mistakes, people are making music out of that now. I love that they're doing that. It's so brilliant. Those mistakes, those embellishments of dissonance, these are often what lead to musical breakthroughs. Take the song Ugly Board, the second-to-last song off of Ian Sweet's last record. A four-minute song, it sounds as if it's actually ending around the 3.15 mark, before opening up into something else entirely.
Yeah, so that act, that moment was written in the overdubs when we were kind of like coming up with other guitar parts um, in that song after it had all the foundation had been laid down. And I just sat with a guitar on a chair in the studio and like was just like strumming on this like one, like harping on this one really dissonant chord over it. Um, and my favorite thing about that's honestly one of my favorite parts of the entire record because like you wouldn't expect that that kind of part was going on basically throughout until everything drops out and then you hear it and then it gets its moment. At first, this sounds like a compositional moment, perhaps indulging an experimental impulse. In the mid-90s, when shoegaze was falling out of fashion, that was the main criticism music journalists made against the genre, that it was self-indulgent. The term itself was pejorative, a bunch of musicians standing on the stage, staring at their shoes, lost in some navel-gazing stupor. But if we've learned anything from the genre's recent resurgence, it's that those sounds were in fact inviting us in to find something deeper, something that at first feels hidden. Listen to the guitar part on Andor Trois by Tame Impala. Listen to the swirling ambience all over the 1975's most recent album. Or as the Chainsmokers say, listen to Beach House. That's shoegaze. That's the underground surfacing in the mainstream. For Jillian, the end of Ugly Board was also a moment of discovery that showed her something about, well, life itself. That's so special to me because like, just in general, like so many things in life you can't see until something you know, steps to the side and then and then you can see the full thing in front of you. I think that the best thing is like when other things can step aside and you can appreciate something that's been hidden. This episode of Sounds of Berkeley was engineered by Julie Papilli, Tony Brown, and Darcy Davis. Our theme music is by Sleeping Lion. Thanks to Susan Rogers, Jillian Medford, and Blaze Eldred for their contributions. Also, special thanks to Kevin Levesque, Harshi Girish, Kim Ashton, and John Mirasola. You can listen to more Ian Sweet and River Cat on all streaming platforms. 
And be sure to check out the accompanying Shoegaze playlist on Berkeley's Spotify account, where you can hear original and contemporary examples of the genre, including songs from Ian Sweet and Rivercat. I'm Brian Paris, and this is Sounds of Berkeley. Berkeley.